Welcome to week number three in our series, Four Things I Wish You Knew About God. And uh, last two weeks that we've covered, uh, first is God is more powerful than you realize. And then last week, we talked about the fact that God is more present than you realize. Next week, we'll be concluding this series, and we're going to talk about God is more active than you actually realize. And, and I just want to already invite you back for that, because uh, I think that's going to be a real eye-opener for many of us, is how involved God actually is in our day-to-day life. And how much he wants to be involved in our day-to-day life if we will just let him and invite him in. So that's next week. Uh, but today, during our time together, I, I want to, this is kind of a tough message in a sense because it's on a topic that I think many of us think we know all there is to know about it, uh, and, and that is God is more loving than we realize. God is more loving than we realize. And, and, and many of us think, well, love, I get it. I understand it. You know, okay, God loves me. That's, that's cool. But, but I think we could spend a million years trying to really comprehend the depth of God's love, and we still would just be scratching the surface. God is so much more loving than you and I can ever wrap our heads around. And uh, in fact, when I, I got in the car drive here today, I, I turned on the radio, and uh, it was uh, on my 80s station, uh, 80s on 8, and then before I could flip it over to the message, you know, and act like a good Christian, uh, I, I heard Addicted to Love uh, from back in... When, my junior year in high school uh, there. And, uh, you know, there's so many songs. What's love got to do with it? I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. You know, there's just everything, just all these things about love. Uh, and, and we use this word, and we toss this word around so much as our cult, in our culture. Uh, but but what God, when God talks love, he's really speaking a whole different language. Love is the language of God. And uh you know, I don't know about you, but uh, personally, I, I wish that everyone had the experience that I did growing up. I had, I had you know, great parents. Uh, they loved me. Um, uh, but what I had was my mom's sister, my aunt, Sarah, uh, she didn't just love me. She adored me. Uh, she had one child, one daughter, who was 20 years older than me. And so when I was born, uh, she was just like, I'm going to be your aunt. And uh, I couldn't even say Sarah. Her name was Sarah Nell. I call her Nanny. And, uh, and uh, she had this nickname for me. Um, it was quite a nickname. It was a real cutesy nickname. Uh, I've never heard anyone else called this ever in my life. Uh, all my family on my mom's side lived in Savannah, Georgia. Until I was about 18, I thought no one actually knew what my real name was. They all knew this real cutesy, cutesy nickname of mine. Uh, well, I'll, no, I'm not going to tell you what it is. But, uh, but anyway, it was like we would go, this is like in the 70s, we'd go to Savannah on vacation, and I'd go to Nanny's house, and she'd say, all right, you know what time it is, don't you? And I was like, yes, I do. She'd say, go get in the car. And she'd drive me to Kmart, and she'd, we'd walk in, she'd go, pick out anything you want. Three toys, doesn't matter what the cost is. And I was like, I love you so much, Nanny. You're so wonderful to me. And like anything, she'd go, what do you want tonight for dinner? I was like, ice cream. She goes, get in the car. Let's go get it. I had ice cream, you know, whatever I wanted, anytime. It was literally, it was like she was Santa Claus. I mean, she, she really was. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and I knew, and, she, and there were times like I'd get scrapping with my siblings or something like that. And uh, they'd go and they'd tell on me, like we're at their house. They'd tell on me, she goes, I don't believe it. I don't believe there's any way that and she'd say that nickname, could possibly treat anyone like that. 
And, and you know what that did to me? It messed me up inside. No, it really, it, it, it really just gave me a real sense of security. It really did. And I wish everyone could experience it. And I know that's kind of rare. It's not necessarily the case. But I felt absolute, unconditional love from my aunt. Absolute, unconditional love. It, it was like I could do literally no wrong in her eyes. And, and as much as that impacted my life, and, and she passed away when I was uh, 19 years old, when I was a freshman in college, and I, I left school to go to the funeral and, and everything like that and, and honor her, and I loved her so much. But that just even in my own life just scratches the surface of how much God loves me and God loves you. Real, true, unconditional love. So here's the big idea today. God is more loving than we think, and he invites us to receive his love. God is more loving than we think, and he invites us to receive it. So if you have your Valley Christian Church app, go ahead and open it up. Because here's the thing. Uh, we're going to discover in our time together, God is not going to force himself on anyone because that's not loving. We have to decide, I want to receive God's perfect, unconditional love. He will not force his love on you, and he will not force his love on me either. God is more loving than we think, and he invites us to receive his love. So as we start off, I want to share with you what, what, what I'm just going to refer to as the 316 principle. The 316 principle. What is the 316 principle? Well, it's based on John 316, which is probably the most quoted, probably the most well-known uh, Bible verse uh, in, in the world, uh, most quoted anyway, uh, I think particularly in our country, because I remember, again, growing up, remember the guy with the rainbow afro would always hold up the sign at football games right behind the goalpost, John 316, John 316, and everyone was like, what is John 316? And they would Find out what it says, and this is what it says in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave the best that he had, that whoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. So if we're going to receive God's love, we need to understand some things about his love. And that's why I call this the 316 principle. The Bible the main verb in the Bible that, that, that you see from cover to cover, interestingly enough, is not love. The main verb that you see repeated more and more in the Bible than any other word, including love, do you know what it is? And it's really important that we understand this, is give. Give is the main verb in all the Bible. Here's the thing, here's the reason why. You can give without loving but it is impossible to love and not give. Love always gives. Love never withholds. Not real love. You can give without loving, but it is impossible to love and not give. Love is a verb. Love is an action. And so what does it say? God so loved the world that he sat back and he let it destroy himself. He let humanity totally obliterate everything. He was detached and he said, I love you, but I'm not going to do anything about it. That's not love. God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. 
And he gave everything. I like to say it this way. God bankrupted heaven for you and for me. He gave his very best. God so loved the world that he said, I've got to give because I love so much. I I can't keep my one and only son to myself. If he had, he would have ceased to exist because God is love, and that would have been unloving. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It is an impossibility. And so just a a couple of quick things here from John 3, 16 uh, about God's love. What does it look like? First of all, God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. In other words, God says, in in essence, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. I I love you and and you can't ever reject me enough. You can't turn your back on me enough. You you can't uh, curse me enough. I'm still going to love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. God's love is unconditional. It's unrelenting, absolute, unfailing. God's unfailing love is what can heal the love wounds in our hearts, your hearts and my heart, and and our broken hearts. God's love can heal every hurt. It's unconditional. That's how powerful God's love is. And you know, he's inviting you and he's inviting me to let him love us but he's not gonna push his way in. God's love is unconditional. God's love is also sacrificial. Love is always sacrificial. Sacrifice means giving to the own hurt, to the point of, to the own hurt. God so loved the world, he gave Jesus Christ the best that he had. He didn't give his leftovers. He didn't give crumbs from the table. He, he didn't give what was, what, what was, you know, he didn't want. Love is sacrificial. He gave, he gave his son, he gave his very best. God's love cost God everything. Everything. In fact, uh, I I came across this quote by uh, Tim Keller, a great pastor down in New York City. He said, relationships are costly. Whatever it will cost you to be with God is nothing compared to what it cost him to be with you. Whatever persecution or ridicule or or whatever it would cost you, whatever it will cost you or me to be with God is nothing compared to how much it cost him to be with us. He gave everything. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. He committed love towards us. He was committed, regardless of how Greg responds, I'm going to love him. Regardless if he ever acknowledges me, I'm going to love him. He did the exact same thing for you as well. God's love is sacrificial. God's love is also personable. God's love is personable. God's love is not just a philosophy or an idea or a feeling. It's not like, ooh, I got goosebumps over humanity. That's not, that's not it at all. God's love is personable. We can know the love of God because we know the love of God through Jesus Christ, the person. So many times people have kind of this uh, competition or or contrast in their mind between Jesus Christ and and God, our Heavenly Father. But, But Jesus 
bridge that gap, and he made it perfectly clear. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because I and the Father are one. So, so God the Father is not like this big old bad, short-tempered guy. He's Jesus. It's the exact same thing. He says, we're one. We're, we're, if you've seen me, that's the, way Jesus, that's, that's the way God the Father is, just like Jesus. God is personable. Next thing is so important, God is acceptable. God is acceptable. God loves you and God loves me so much that he's willing to let you reject him. Or accept him. He gives you and I the choice. The Bible makes it real clear. It's not God's will that anyone should perish. No one. But a person who rejects God, God says, have it your way. It's not what he wants. But God is acceptable. And that's why we have to receive him and receive his love. Because he's not going to push himself on you or on me. God's love is acceptable. And here's the last one just in describing from, from John 3, 16. Remember there when it says God's love is acceptable, whoever believes in him would not perish. Whoever accepts Jesus Christ would not perish. That's how much God loved, that whoever believes in Jesus Christ would not perish but have everlasting life. The last one is this from John 3, 16. God's love is accessible. Right now, right here, tomorrow, Next week, next month, God's love is always accessible for you and for me. It's not just limited for a few. You can't earn it, and you'll never be able to deserve God's love. That's why it's unconditional. You and I will never be good enough to earn God's love. If we were, if we could earn his love, it's not unconditional love. It's totally conditional. That's the world kind of love. You, if you treat me this way, I'll treat you this way. But if you do me wrong, it's over. That's world love. That's, in actuality, it's sinful love. God's love is unconditional and perfect. Choosing to believe in Jesus and receiving him in our hearts and surrendering our life to him gives us access to the incredible, powerful life-changing love of God. That's what he wants. And, and that's what this series is all about. Four things I wish you knew about God. Four things that I believe if, if we just open our hearts, as we've talked about, as I said in weeks past, to God's power, recognizing God's presence, receiving God's love in our lives. And next week, when we discover how active he is, so much more active in our lives, wants to be more active changes everything completely changes how we view him how we how we view life as well so i kind of like to think of it this way when it comes to god and his love the password if you will to god's love is jesus christ jesus christ is like the the username that's how you get access that that's how you really begin to experience god's love in your life is by receiving jesus christ that's the password into God's love. In 1 John 
chapter 4, it's interesting what the Bible says. Look at it in verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life. How? Through him. Jesus made it perfectly clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And here also the Bible tells us, God showed how much we love him. He sent Jesus. You receive Jesus, you receive all of my incredible love. And you'll experience my love. Not, not, not just in heaven, not just in eternity, but right now on earth. By, um, God sent his own, uh, one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And then goes on and it says, this is real love. This is what real love looks like. And the Bible defines for us what real love looks like. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Real love is not we love God and then he started loving us. Real love is when we didn't want anything to do with him, that's when he sent Jesus. When, when, when we wanted to just do our own thing, who cares about God? I, don't, I want to live my life. I'm my own man. It's my life. I can do whatever I want to. And God said, you need me more than you realize. Jesus, go die now. And we don't want anything to do with him. But that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. We're going to get to this in just a minute because here's the thing. Also in 1 John it says, if we say we love God and we hate someone else, the love of God's not in us. It's impossible to hate someone and love God simultaneously. It actually says if we think we're doing that, we make God out to be a liar. The, the truth's not in us. We're lying. Everything that God says, we, we were like, no, that doesn't really affect. That's, that, that's not really true. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. It goes on and it says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. That's, that's the fruit of it. And his love is brought to full expression in us. It goes on and it says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. It's not what he does, it's the essence of who he is. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. It's not what he does, it's who he is. If he ever for one nanosecond does anything short of love, he'll cease to exist. Because he is love. All real love emanates from God. He didn't create it, it's who he is. It's totally who he is. And so we need to receive his love so important and, and the way that we demonstrate that we know God's love we've received God's love is in our relationships and how we treat other people that, that's all that 1 John chapter 4 I wish I could just read the whole, the whole book of 1 John it, it, I encourage you to read it it'll take you all of like 9 minutes it, it's very very short but, but the whole thing is about if we say we love God it should affect our relationships 
They should be drastically different because we've experienced the love of God. Here's the thing. You can't give what you haven't received. Down south, there's an old saying, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. If we say, you know, I love God, but something else is coming, out of the, coming up in the bucket, I'm not sure we've really experienced God's love. Because what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. This love of God spoken of here in 1 John and John 3.16 that we just looked at, this explains why God created people. Have you ever wondered why God created humanity? Why did he do it? Father, Son, Holy Spirit coexisting together, the Trinity, before creation, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God is love. Why did he create humanity? Because love needs an object to love. That's why he created us. Love needs an object. Love, love is a verb. It's an action. It's never held within itself. That's why he created humanity, someone to love. He wants to love you. He wants to love me. It also explains why God cares so much for sinful people, because he loves us. He cherishes us. It also explains the idea that God is love. It also explains why he gave free choice. I used to say, like, God, why did you ever do that, like with Adam and Eve? Give them the, the, the choice. Why not just make them robots? How many of you would like a robot to love you? It's not love, is it? God gave humanity free choice so that we would respond to his love with love. Susie and I have two dogs. One's named Tybee, and he's, he's pretty nice. He's guests. I guess he is. Uh, but then that's her dog, two French bulldogs. But then there's Lucy. And Lucy is my dog. And, and Tybee's like, I walk downstairs in the morning, I'm like, hi, Tybee, and he'll kind of maybe look at me, and maybe he'll put his head down for me to scratch. Lucy is like the dancing, jumping, all over the place, uh, and I have to make sure that I sit down in the morning before I get a cup of coffee, because she doesn't care. She'll jump right into my arms with a hot cup of coffee. And she just adores it, and she always wants to just, like, be up in my face for a few minutes in the morning. I call it FaceTime. And, and, uh, and, and you know what I do? She, like, she's like, <laughs> she's just looking, looking, looking. And I go, FaceTime, FaceTime, and I'm playing with her ears. And then I have a nickname. I've shared the nickname, you know, before. Baby Girl, Cream Puff Princess, Chunky Monkey Short Stack. Uh, that's my nickname for her. And so I'm like, Baby Girl, Cream Puff Princess, Chunky Monkey Short Stack. And I also add seasonal nickname, Spring Chicken, as well. So, so that's all at the end. And, and so we just have this, like, moment every morning of just love. And she's just like, I've never, I've had a lot of dogs. She just, like, wants to just stare in Daddy's eyes. That's how she begins the day. And you know what? That actually does something to me. I didn't train her to do that. But I walk down the morning, and it's just like, Daddy. That's what God wants from you and from me. Daddy. That love, that's why he gave us a free will. Tybee exercises his free will, and he just keeps his distance. <laughs> but Lucy, shoo. Right there. 
So, so this explains why God gave free choice. It also, God's love also explains why Christ died, because love was the solution of the problem of sin. Love conquers sin. Perfect love. The love of God. And we see that through God himself, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice. And this is why we receive eternal life. Why, why, why does God give us eternal life? It's because he loves us. And he wants to express unending, unconditional love to you and to me forever. Because it's who he is. God is love. Yeah, well, Greg, you don't know what I did. I don't need to know what you did. God knows. And he loves you unconditionally. And Jesus paid the price for what you did on the cross so that you would receive him and experience the transforming power of God's love. So incredibly powerful. So I'd put it this way. The secret of love is being loved by God. The secret of real love is being loved by God. The secret of, everyone's wondering, you know, all the time, and in fact, we're gonna have a Q&A, uh, uh, marriage and family Q&A coming up in the next few weeks with some of our friends in from out of town. Uh, actually, one was one of my professors in college and uh, pastors a great church in Pensacola, Florida, and, and he and his wife are coming, and uh, we're gonna, you're gonna be able to text in questions about marriage and family and, and, and all those things. Uh, and, and this is why it's so important. If, if you and I, we ask the questions all the time, you know, what's the secret to marriage? What's the secret to romance? Here's the secret. Let God love you. Let God love you because you can't give something you've never received. And it starts with opening our heart and receiving the love of God and allowing God's love to flow through us to our spouse, our kids, coworkers, family, friends. It all starts there. The secret of love is being loved by God. In Romans chapter 8, it's pretty interesting. Obviously, there's so much on this subject all throughout Bible that I don't even know if we're scratching the surface. We're just kind of like nicking the top of the subject. But in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is pretty interesting. He's writing to Christians in Rome. And at the time, everything was okay. There wasn't a lot of persecution. But by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it turned out to be very prophetic, actually. And Paul didn't even realize it. He starts to talk about the love of God. And he gives almost hypothetical situations. But what he didn't realize was he actually was being prophetic. Because shortly after they received this letter, the Christians in Rome, widespread persecution against Christianity broke out all throughout Rome. Some of the most brutal, just unimaginable horror that Christians experienced throughout the centuries, the millennia, was about to be unleashed, particularly the Christians in the Roman Empire and in the capital of Rome itself. And listen to what Paul said, the, the prophetic and the insight given to him by the Holy Spirit about God's love. 
Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? I've met too many people in my life that something bad happens in their life and they're like, I just don't think God loves me. If God really loved me, why would he let this happen? Here's the thing. God's not the one that brought the bad. We brought the bad. He brings the love. The bad in this world is not God's fault. It's humanity's fault. It's our fault, not his. And isn't that just, he just gets a bum rap all the time, doesn't he? You know, hurricane comes, tornado, and, you know, 14 people killed, and they go, that was an act of God. No, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. And here, Paul is saying, he goes, it doesn't mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity. This world's a dangerous place. If we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, and these hypotheticals in just a short period of time, the Christians in Rome were actually experiencing every one of these things. Paul went on and he continued to write, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through what? Through Christ who what? Loved us. Love conquers all. Love conquers all. The victory, we, how, how do we overcome the evil in this world? Through the love of Jesus Christ. Through the love of Jesus Christ. Goes on and says, and I am convinced, Paul says, I have no doubt about this. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. That's power. That's how power, that's how transformative God's love is. And he wants us to receive it. And he invites you to receive it. Paul continues to speak and he says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't sin bad enough to get God to stop loving you if you just receive his love and forgiveness. Nothing, there's nothing in this world there's nothing in creation that can halt the love of God. Except if you say, I don't want it. He still loves you. You just don't experience the blessing of it in your life. Suffering shouldn't drive us away from God, but suffering should drive us to him. It should help us identify with him and receive the power to persevere and allow his love to heal our hurts. That's what he wants to do. That's the power of his love. Christ's death is the proof of his unconquerable love. Because he loves so much, he even conquered death and the grave for you and for me. So I'd put it this way. The secret of love is showing God's love to others. Because here's the thing. 
It's just like the difference between like having a bowl of water or turning on a garden hose and the water flowing through it. There's power behind that flow as it's flowing through. And God wants to flow love through your life in my life as well. Instead of just, let's just hold it for ourselves. The secret of love is showing God's love to other people that don't deserve it because I don't deserve his love because you don't deserve his love. We've received God's mercy as unconditional love. How can we put conditions on love for others? I want to make this real practical in the time we have left. I want to share with you five love handles. You know what I'm talking about? Five love handles, and boy, wouldn't that be a crazy uh, silhouette. But anyway, five love handles. Generally, it's only two, but five love handles. So you can just take this with you and walk out of here and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, live. Because sometimes, I, this is what I've found, and, and this is my experience as a pastor, and, and it may not be per, per perfectly precise, so don't put this on the level of God's word or anything like this, but this is my own opinion. People that doubt God's love the most are those that show God's love the least to others. I, I, I've, said, I've talked to so many people. I don't know about God's love. I don't know about love. And, and at the end of it, they're just not real loving people. Because the, 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 the bit that they've received, they just keep it to themselves. They just got their little cup of love instead of allowing God's love to flow through them to other people. And so real practically, just so we can take it out of here. Five love handles. Let me just encourage you. First one is this. Say it. Say it. Tell the people you love. Tell them you love them. And, and I know this is kind of hard because, like, I'm a guy, you know, and we don't do that, you know. Uh, I mean, it's rare that I walk up and, like, brother, I love you. I mean, you're not, it's not, not going to happen. That's not going to happen to my own brother, uh, much less anyone else. It's like, I love you. I'm not going to do that. But, but, you know, you just but say it anyway, you know. Brah, love you, man. I love you, man. Yo. Say it. Say it. I love you. I love you. Now, I know I'm kind of, I have my issues. There's no question about it. And God's working in my life. But as God is my witness and my wife's sitting in the front row, she hears from my mouth at least 25 times a day, I love you. I love you. I love you. And, and one day I was just studying about marriage and everything like this, and, and, and I just had this idea, this concept. I said, you know what? I want my wife to be secure in my love. And, and I felt like God just like, this, this idea popped in my head and it's better than anything I could come up with on my own. And... and and I was thinking about it, and then I had an appointment with a guy, and I shared this with him. He goes, oh, my gosh, that's great. Every morning, I want to erase the question mark in my wife's mind. Does he love me? I, I think every woman has that question mark in her mind. Does he still love me? Does he still love me? And so in the morning, I wake up, and I have a whiteboard in my office, and I kind of visualize this. I wake up, and on the whiteboard is this big question mark. And I say to myself, Greg, erase the question mark. 
And I ask myself, if the day goes too far, did I erase the question mark today? Does she know that I love her? I, I do this with our kids also, my daughters. I, I am like, they, they, they showed me how to create emojis. I am so far evolved over emojis. I do bitmojis. So it's dad's face. You know, I've got my bitmojis, and I just like, I'm always sending them stuff like that. Hey, thinking about you. You make me proud. And then they're like, what did I do? And I was like, you're alive. That's it? Yeah. It's just you being you. I love you. I love you. Say it. That's the first love handle. Say it. Here's the second thing. Write it. And that's what I'm talking about. Text and all. Use, use, use emojis so they can feel that love. I mean, sometimes, like I'm writing Susie sometimes, and I'm like, I'm putting 25 hearts on there, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Send. All right. And then normally she sends one back to me going like this. You know, with the eyes, like, what? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you got that one right. So write it. Write it. Write it out. Write it. I love you. I've got a box today of all the notes and cards and letters that Susie wrote me when we were dating. And you know what? I can pull those things out 29 years later. Don't, don't do this Snapchat stuff so it disappears. No, you, you want that stuff laying around for a long time. Write it. Say it, write it. Here's this third love handle. Give it. Remember, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It is an impossible. We fool ourselves to think we love. We may have some real, like, trumped up, like emotion. But if you don't give, you do not love. Give your time. Give your attention. Give, give, give your time, talent, and treasure. Love always gives. It does not withhold. For God so loved, he gave he gave. You know what we need to give the most? I think it's the fourth love handle. Forgive. Forgive. That's an act of love. It's an act of love to say, I know what you did, and it hurt me. I'm not going to hold that against you anymore. I'm going to give you forgiveness. Not because someone deserves it or earned it, but because God forgave me when I didn't deserve it or earn it. And so I'm showing God's love to that person that hurt me. As Christians, we should be the most forgiving people on the planet because we've been forgiven so much. Say it, write it, give it, forgive it. Fifth love handles, live it. Live a life of love. Because when you love someone else, when you allow God's love to flow through you, when I allow God's love to flow through me, it changes the whole entire dynamic in our relationships. Live it. And I would say this, live it today. 
Start living a life of love today. Because the secret of love is showing God's love to others. Let me get a couple of other opinions on the subject. William Shakespeare put it this way, better three hours too soon than a minute too late. What are you waiting for? What, what are you waiting for? Don't miss an opportunity to tell the person you love, share your love, tell, say it, write it, give it, forgive it, live it. Live a life of love today. What are you waiting for? Better three hours early than a minute too late. Dr. Seuss put it this way. Sometimes you'll never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Sometimes you'll never realize how incredible, you'll never realize what was at stake at that moment until it's gone. And you realize, I missed it. I missed it. You know what I believe? I believe right now at this moment, I believe this is a moment. I believe right now in this message, this is a moment we're at right here, right now. Where I believe some are going to open their hearts to God's real love. And it'll change the trajectory of the rest of your life. Or you'll keep your heart closed to him. And just keep going down the path you are. It's a moment. Sometimes you never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Let me end with this. <clears throat> I was blessed to have two parents that loved me. My dad's still alive, and uh, be seeing him in just a few weeks. But my mother passed away when I was 29 years old. And I've shared about that from time to time. One of the last days that I had with my mom, it was actually a Sunday, and Susie took the babies to church. We were down in North Carolina and went with my father to church. And, and uh, I said, I'll stay home with mom. And we sat up and we talked. And she said something to me. I'll never forget this. I can still hear her voice saying it. She said, honey... I don't know how much time I have left, but I want you to know this. There's not been a moment of your life I've ever doubted your love for me. And I was really taken back by that because there were moments in my life I really doubted my love for my mom. But, but somehow, it never showed. You know, all kids, we go through that stuff. She said, I've never once, and then she said, I can't say that to your siblings. But Greg, you have never doubted it for a moment. And I'm, I'm just so thankful that that was my mother's experience in this life. Because I felt love, I felt love of God through her in my life. She asked me to 29-year-old pastor to officiate her funeral. We worked on it together, what song she wanted sung, what scripture she wanted read, and, and I began to put my remarks down. And Then after she passed, I already had the whole funeral all written out. But I added one little statement to the end of it. 
And this is what I said. One day when we get to heaven and see God face to face, we'll see something strangely familiar in his eyes. And at that moment, we'll realize it was him all along loving us through them in this life. I think when I see God face to face for the first time, I'm going to have to watch myself that I don't quite say, Mom. Because it's going to be that kind of familiarity. And then realizing it was him. It was him all the time. And that's the love of God he wants not only for us to receive, but he wants to flow through our lives to other people. So that one day when that time comes and they see God face to face, it'll be familiar to them. It'll remind them of us because it was his love flowing through your life and through my life to them all along. So here it is. God is more loving than we think. And he invites us to receive his love. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your unconditional love, your love that we can't even... We can't even really comprehend, but God, we thank you for it. Father, I just pray right now for myself and everyone here and in the hearing of my voice right now that we would not miss this moment, how valuable this moment is right now, that we would recognize it, and Lord, we would open our hearts up and receive your love not just for ourselves, but we'd be committed to allowing your love to flow through us, to touching other people's lives. Lord, may we truly say it and write it and give it and forgive it and live it and live as a people who are loved by you and as your people who love others as a result. Thank you, Lord. And right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I just want to ask you a question. In the stillness of this, this moment, have you received Christ's love? He loves you more than you could possibly ever imagine, and he invites you. He wants you to receive his love. If you've never opened your life up and your heart up to Jesus Christ, I... I want to encourage you to do that right now in this moment. Recognize the value of this moment before it's a memory. I said, Greg, how do I do that? Simply by praying. I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer of receiving Jesus Christ. That's how we receive the love of God in our lives is through his son, Jesus Christ. Because he loved you so much that he gave his only son 
that if you'd believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have eternal life. And life here on this planet would change as well. So if you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ before, I just encourage you and invite you to pray this prayer after me, this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I turn from my ways and I invite your love through Jesus Christ into my life. Lead me, guide me, and I will follow. Love me, and I will share your love with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church, located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.